often, uh, when it comes to government and budgets, it's often stated that uh, this is where you see your government's priorities, and governing is about choosing your priorities. Well, our next guest says that spending on retirees and debt servicing charges uh, dwarf new spending on younger Canadians when it comes to this latest budget. Joining me now to talk about the, the generational divide is Dr. Paul Kershaw. He's the director of the Master of Public uh, Health Program at UBC's uh, School of Population and Public Health. He's also the founder of Generation Squeeze. Dr. Kershaw, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me back. Uh, how stark is the difference when we talk about uh, spending priorities between an older generation and younger Canadians? Oh, it's pretty darn stark in this budget um, and previous year's budgets, but it's really coming to a head right now. Let me start with a line item you may not have chatted too much about today, which is how much interest we're paying on previous unpaid bills in the federal government, so previous debts. Mm -hmm. Interest payments are going to go up $62 bucks over the next five years. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Well, that amount of additional spending on interest is more than the entire additional spending we will add for childcare. We will add for employment insurance or what we'll add for the Canada Child Benefit, which delivers income support for families with kids. More interest payments going to pay down the debt than those three programs together. I think that's just quite astonishing. And yet, despite that, this is a federal budget that's going to be incurring $132 billion in additional deficits over the next five years, even though we're not in recession. And that, again, makes me wonder, like, why is that happening? Is it because we're investing so much in housing to address unaffordability for younger people or climate change, which is such a risk to their financial security and their health? But no, what's really driving the ongoing deficits when we're not in recession is growth in spending for the retirees in our, lo- our lives we love. This is my mom's demographic, but they're going to get $85 billion more in old age security spending and another $25 billion more in medical care spending. Important things. But those are what are driving the large deficits going forward because we haven't had a hard conversation with our aging loved ones about, did you pay enough in taxes while you were working to cover the cost of what you now want to use? So basically, in regards to the numbers, when you talk about your mom's generation, it's about $190 billion in new money for retirees by 2027, 2028. And that includes CPP, old age security, uh, $25 billion for Medicare for Medicare for Canadians age 65 plus. Um isn't that how our systems always work, though? Like, you, you pay your taxes during your working age from 18 to 65, and part of those taxes means you pay for uh, those that came before you and they are retired because they, when they were working, were paying for somebody else before them. And I'm hoping one day, as I work and you work, yeah. that those after us come and pay for our retirement as well. Isn't that how the system works, though? That's how the system works, but we have to have see how that system interacts with a demographic bulge. So everyone knows what we call, we call an aging population are baby boomers. We call them a boom because they were a large, large generational cohort. When baby boomers came of age as young adults, there were seven workers for every retiree. Now there are 3.3 workers for every retiree. That makes a massive difference. What that means is um, boomers, while they were working, paid taxes according to the rules of the day, but the rules of the day had them pay for a relatively small proportion of retirees. That was a good deal for boomers. It meant that they didn't have to pay entirely for the care they were going to want to use. 
we started to recognize that would be a problem in the mid-1990s, and we said, oh my gosh, the Canada Public Pension Plan risks going bankrupt. If we don't ask baby boomers to start paying more now, that will be more in line with what they want to draw down later when they retired. So in the mid-90s, we increased by 65% the contributions we had to make to CPP. But we didn't do that for old age security and medical care. And because we didn't, Mm-hmm. Now we are really seeing our federal and provincial budgets struggle to balance the books, and the old age security is a huge, huge, huge part of the deficit that we're running in the next five years. So in, in the, the conversation now is about a, a housing, and that wouldn't have happened without a millennial generation, perhaps Gen Xers as well, who really said, look, we have a housing crisis, we need to focus on this. I think everybody recognizes that. That's a post-boomer conversation, although you know, people on fixed incomes also have housing challenges. But there is a younger generation that is more vocal, more engaged. We wouldn't have had this housing debate and conversation today or uh, 15 years ago. It is the coming of age of millennials and Gen Xers and whatever you, whatever generation you want to talk about. So aren't we, aren't they now sort of, aren't they able now to be part of that political and public discourse where they can change some of this, number one? Because I don't, I'm not sure how you change this. Like you cannot take away CPP from, from the elderly. They've paid into it. It's part of our generational deal that we had, old age security, all that. How do you fix this then? So CPP is actually the thing we should be most proud of. CPP, we did adapt it to uh, three decades ago, 25 years ago, I should say, and it's working quite well. You draw out largely what you contributed, especially at a generational level. Old age security and the medical care are not like that. So we at least have to recognize there's a big problem. That would be a huge first step. We have to support, as you said, the millennials and Gen Zs and Gen X to actually make that case to our aging loved ones. And then we can ask ourselves, what can we do about it? I think that to some degree, we need to be looking at those who are more affluent in retirement and say, might you be able to contribute more right now so that we don't, so that you don't as a generation leave large bills for your kids and grandchildren. Where we find that additional resource to draw from our affluent retirees is an ongoing question. I've been on your show and on CKNW more generally talking about housing wealth might be a good place to start. But we, no matter what, we need our budgets to have this hard truth conversation. Our loved ones who are aging, they paid taxes according to the rules of the day, but the rules of the day were stacked against their kids and grandchildren, and that's why the federal government can't balance its books, even though it's not in recession. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to having this conversation uh, later as well, because I think it is, a, it is an important one. Thank you so much. Have a great day.